today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. You know, it's often way too easy, I think, for any leader, whether it be the church leader, a secular leader, a political leader in particular, to, again, take the credit for what God has done in their lives. It's just too quick, too easy of a deal, especially if there's great success, because that becomes a real heady thing. God does use men and women for his purposes. There's no doubt about it. But we need to be very quick to give him the glory for all the victories in our lives. Whenever we overcome a life challenge or accomplish an amazing goal, our natural tendency is to boast or even gloat. Whether we achieve a dream career or break a world record, we can all struggle with pride from time to time. Unfortunately, this form of pride can just as easily slip into the hearts of those that serve God. In today's study, Pastor David teaches us to be careful when it comes to pride. Using Joshua as an example, Pastor David draws our attention to how Joshua gave the glory that was due to God. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, The End of an Era. to the end of your career. Well, really and truly, after you've spent your life in a ministry or a mission that you know the Lord has called you to, and it comes to the end of that time, how do you deal with that? What do you do? What's the process of that? You know, there's not a, uh, there's not probably a, a normal situation on that, but tonight we're going to be looking at the end of of the book of Joshua, and it's the end of Joshua's career. It's also the end of Joshua's life. Joshua worked all the way to really and truly the end. 110 years old is how old he is at this point in time. And here we're coming to not only the end of the book of Joshua, the end of the life of Joshua, but it's also the end of an era for the people of Israel. We see right after the book of Joshua uh, a dynamic change that takes place. Now, 500 years prior to this, remember, God had promised Abraham and all that uh, all of his descendants would be, again, that this land that they're now in, that this land would be theirs. That was over 500 years prior to this. And then for over 400 years, the children of Israel had been in captivity in Egypt. And it's kind of hard to remember the promises of God when you're in captivity, especially for 400 years. But yet the promise of God had still remained that to Abraham and to his descendants that this land 
would be theirs. And then they got out of captivity of Egypt, and they're going through the Promised Land. And, and what happened in that short period of time between crossing the Red Sea and coming to the River of Jordan? They rebelled, they murmured, they complained, they stopped short of the promise of God. And so because of their lack of faith, because of their murmuring, their complaining, because of their disobedience, for another 40 years, they wandered in the desert. So one more generation that did not get to see the promise of God. And then finally, under the leadership of Joshua, they entered into the promised land. And as they entered into the promised land, they had seven different Canaanite uh, tribes or people groups that they had to fight, which included 31 fortified cities. And each one of those cities had a little king all unto himself, little kingdoms there. They had to fight and, again, establish the boundaries for these 12 different tribes. And then finally, there was this time of peace that they allowed to have. We don't believe that there was a whole lot of time of that peace until the time of Joshua's uh, passing these last chapters. In all, it uh, seems that Joshua led the people of Israel for about 28 years or so. Now, a lot of different commentaries say, well, it could have been up to 20 years of establishing the peace and land. Some say seven, some say 14. We just really don't know. But at 110 years old, 28 years of your life, you've led this uh, uh, stubborn, this stiff-necked people. Uh, that was your ministry. That was the call in your life. And now there's finally peace, and now you've come to the end of your life. And uh, so Joshua, I don't think, got to reap the benefits of, again, all that he had done, at least this side of glory. I believe that the Lord had a great reward for him on the other side of glory. There's no doubt about it. But now here he is. It's the end of his life, end of his ministry, and he's called the people together. Look with us, if you would, in the book of Joshua. We are in chapter 23 this evening, and we'll start reading in verse 1. Verse 1 says, Now it came to pass... A long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all of their enemies round about, that Joshua was old and advanced in age. Okay, how many of you in here are old and advanced? No, sometimes we feel like it, don't we? But uh, I'm look, I've looked around the room. There's not too many of you that uh, look to be 100 or 110. So Joshua was old and advanced in years. And I think at 110, you could say, I'm old and advanced in age. Verse 2 says, Joshua called for all of Israel, for the elders, for the heads of their judges, uh, for their officers, and said to them, I'm old. <laughs> I'm, I'm advanced in age. And you've seen all that the Lord your God has done to all of these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. I love Joshua's heart at this time. Everything that he says here, he says, you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all of these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. Joshua doesn't come with some braggadocious attitude of saying, hey, look what I've done for you. You know, under my leadership, you know, we've crossed the Jordan. Under my leadership, Jericho fell. Under my leadership, we finally beat Ai. Under my leadership, we took care of all the... Under my leadership, we've divided all of these tribes out. No, he drew the attention, again, that it was all that the Lord, their God, had done. For the Lord, their God, is he who had fought for them. 
You know, it's often way too easy, I think, for any leader, whether it be a church leader, a secular leader, a political leader in particular, to, again, take the credit for what God has done in their lives. It's just too quick, too easy of a deal, especially if there's great success, because that becomes a real heady thing. God does use men and women for his purposes. There's no doubt about it. But we need to be very quick to give him the glory for all the victories in our lives. Now, I don't know what your uh, your work history was before some of you retired, whether you had a great and powerful career, and whether there was a lot of things that uh, either came your way as, as benefits or you improved the uh, company that you were working with or whatever. I don't know for any of you. But you know what? Regardless of that... It would be God working and moving in you. About the time that we start taking claim for anything that's taken place in our life, you know what? All God has to do is step back and say, you think you're such hot stuff? Try it without me. Try it without me. Joshua does speak about certain areas of his leadership. That's for certain. But he doesn't do it in this in this prideful way. And along with speaking about these things, he gives a very strong warning to the people of Israel about the dangers that they're going to have living now in, the, in this, because there's still pagan people that remained in the land. They got many great victories while they were there, but there were a lot of pagans that were still there. There were a lot of Gentiles that remained in the land. God didn't clear all of them out at that point in time. As a matter of fact, we see all through the history of Israel, they've had to deal with this. He says in verse 4, he says, See, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all of the nations that I've cut off as far as the great sea eastward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and, and drive them out of your sight. And so you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. There was still a work that had to be done. This was going to be an ongoing process for the children of Israel in their lives. This is the truth that's even true for us today. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but we live in a pagan society. We are surrounded by it everywhere you look. Todd and I were sitting last night just trying to unwind, and uh, you look at one channel, all of a sudden, man, this commercial comes on. No, I'll get rid of that. Then this show comes on. No, we're not going to watch that. And then you look at it, no. you Now, we don't have cable, okay? We have antenna, okay? And we, so we only get about 12 stations with nothing on, instead of some of you who have cable with 300 stations with nothing on, okay? So, and then plus you pay a whole lot more than we do, but no, we're just that way. We're surrounded by an antichrist culture all around us. And so the battle is still ours even now. The battle is for you and I to live that Christian life, to live the life of the promises of God in our own lives in a society that is against all of those things. I think it's very much the same as it was in the days of Joshua, that here the people of Israel who had all of the promises of God, they have seen victories in their life. Man, they broke free from the bondage of Pharaoh in Egypt. Now they've come into the land of promise and the land of victory, and yet there's still battles that rage all around them. And we see and we will see, uh, even beyond the book of Joshua, as you get into the book of Judges, man, this continual battle that's going on. And you know what? Sometimes they're victorious. And many times they're not. Sometimes they're looking for the Lord's answer, but many times they're not. It's in the book of Judges where we read, every man did what was right in his own eyes. 
So you see, these are the battles that they're going to do. And that's why Joshua tells them here in verse 6, he says, Therefore, you need to be very courageous. Now, if you remember at the very beginning of the study uh, here in the book of Joshua, we brought to your attention there in chapter 1, verse 6, where the word was brought both from Moses as well as the Lord, as well as the people, to, uh, to Joshua a multitude of times to be strong and to be of good courage. And now at the end of Joshua's life, he's telling the people, you know what, you need to be very courageous and you need to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, unless you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, unless you go among these nations, these who remain among you. You shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God, as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you, as he promised you. What an amazing thing God had done for this people. You've got to realize that even before they came into the land of promise, as they wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness, God took a bunch of slaves, pulled them together as a nation with organization. Remember way back at the beginning when Moses was trying to organize everything and his, uh, his father-in-law came up and says, look, you're going to burn yourself out. You need to organize this thing. You need to have leadership. And, and again, brought organization into this brand new nation, a nation of slaves that became, again, warriors as they came across the wilderness. And yet in all of that, maintaining their worship and their dedication to the one true God, Jehovah. All of these things that God had done for them. And now he desires for them to remain in that land of promise, to remain in that situation of victory within their lives, even though the enemy is still there. He wants them to walk in victory. And so he gives them these warnings. And Joshua directs them here in in, in several ways. In several ways of how they can stay strong against the enemy. And I think that these are ways that are very appropriate for you and I, too. Because, again, we live in a secular world. We live in in a land that's surrounded by antichrist. We live in a place where there's still a lot of battles in our lives. One of the first things that he tells them is to be faithful to the Word of God. Be faithful to the Word of God. And the only way that you and I can be faithful to the Word of God is if we know the Word of God, and if we're in the Word of God, and if we're learning the Word of God, that we be faithful to what we know. Another thing he says, stay true to the call of God. Don't turn to the right or to the left. And there's so many things that draw our attention away from following what we know to be the right thing. Some of you, probably most of you have seen uh, at least seen pictures of horses that are drawing wagons or drawing a plow in particular that might have blinders on. Why do they have the blinders on? To keep that mule from going off to the right or to the left because he sees something over here. 
Keep your eyes focused on the Lord, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Again, keeping our focus right before him. How can we be victorious in the battle? How can we see victory over the enemy? Is by maintaining our focus on the things of the Lord. He also tells them, uh, uh, don't go out among these nations. In other words, don't find comfort in the enemy's camp. And too many times, even as believers, we, we see believers getting comfortable in the things and the attitudes and the situations of the world. There's so much we could say here. Because, again, the lifestyle of believers is all over the map. All over the map. And the more and more we allow ourselves into the things of the world, the less and less we're going to find ourselves faithful and strong in the things of the Lord. Paul says that all things are lawful for me, but he also tells us that not all things are good for him. And we need to understand that. And I'm not going to come up with a bunch of rules and say, hey, you need to do this and you need to do that and don't do this and don't do that. What I'm saying is, again, as you're walking in the Lord, as you're focusing on the Lord, you know those things that draw you away from the Lord. And you also know those things that build you up and strengthen you in the Lord. We need to be careful not to find comfort in the enemy's camp. Another thing he says, uh, don't call upon or mention the names of their gods. In other words, don't look to the world's ways. How do you live your life? How do you project for your future? How do you plan for your tomorrows? How do you, again, uh, uh, steward your life? Do you look at the world's ways and the world's attitudes? Or are you really and truly seeking the Lord's direction and leading in your life? Oh, listen, God has blessed mankind with this great logic to be able to kind of forecast and be able to kind of uh, weigh different things and see, well, if this happens and this would happen, and man, we could wear ourselves out pulling together this logic. But what happens if one point of that logic tomorrow is no longer there? You know, we plan and schedule on things that we know today or that we believe that we know, and we speculate about tomorrow. But none of us know tomorrow. None of us know tomorrow. So how much more important it is for us to seek the Lord's direction in our lives and every aspect of our lives. Don't look to the world's ways. Don't trust the world's ways. In other words, he says don't serve them or or bow down to them. And then he says trust wholly and completely. For you and I, we need to trust wholly and completely in the hand of God that's brought us this far. It's not unlike what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Galatia. In, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul tells that church there, beginning in verse 1, he says, O foolish Galatians, O foolish Galatians, who, who's bewitched you? Who's tricked you? Who's deceived you? That you shouldn't obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Then he asked them this question. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of the faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? The reason I bring this up is, again, how many believers look to the things of this world to satisfy them, to direct them, to protect them, to preserve them, to forecast for their future rather than trusting wholly and completely in the Lord. 
looking back and seeing what the Lord has done in my life, looking back and seeing how God has directed our families, looking then forward, Lord, where would you take me from here? Where would you want me to go from here? What is your plan and purpose? Joshua helps them to remember that it was God that brought them this far. He brought them to this place. It was God that fulfilled his promises. It was God that defeated the enemy before them. So why in the world would they trust in the gods of these pagan nations or in the world's ways? I mean, again, just thinking of just the flat-out logic, if I can use that word again, the logic of the whole thing, their God, Jehovah, had defeated these other nations. These other nations who had trusted in these gods who had eyes but could not see, had ears but couldn't hear, had hands but, but couldn't feel, and feet but couldn't move. They, these other nations trusted in these false gods, and the one true God defeated these. And yet we find in the history of Israel that very quickly they turn to these other pagan gods. That just doesn't make sense. But yet, a lot of times we do the same thing today. It may not be a little God sitting up on a mantle someplace, but it is trusting and looking for the things of the world to satisfy, to direct, to fulfill our lives. Wouldn't that be just the same if we were to say, you know, hey, this little God over here, whatever that God might be. It's the same kind of warning. Joshua warns them that there will be consequences to pay if they reject, deny, or forget the Lord's leading in their lives. Look at verse 11. He says, Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love your God. Take careful heed to yourselves. Paul says we need to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith or not. I think every one of us, you know, we come to times like uh, Thanksgiving. We come to times like New Year's. We're making New Year's resolutions or in Thanksgiving we're thinking of why we're faithful. I think these are great times for us to do an, a, a personal spiritual evaluation. Where am I in the Lord? Is the Lord really exciting in my life? Or am I just kind of floating along and maybe even flatlined at times in my spiritual life? Oh, but I come to church or I come to Wednesday night and I get a, I get a good boost and that keeps me going until about Sunday and then I gotta come back in and get another boost. How is it in your life? How is it in your life? Is there just a, an outward face of the things of Christ or is there a real hope and desire for the things of Christ? Take careful heed to yourselves that you love your God or else if indeed you do go back and you cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you, and, and you start making marriages with them and you go into them and they to you. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you. But there'll be snares and there'll be traps to you. There'll be scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. In other words, he's saying if the things of the world start looking more attractive to you, you have been, again, purchased 
by God. He bought them out of Egypt. For you and I today, we look at it in the New Testament understanding. We've been purchased by the blood of Christ. We've been brought into the promises of God. And if the things of the world start becoming more and more attractive to us, and we're losing our love for the Lord our God, then he says suddenly, these things know for certain that no longer will the Lord drive these things from you. You're going to have more and more struggles in your life. You know who the most miserable person is it's not the lost guy the most miserable individual is the one who is a believer in jesus christ a a saved individual who's walking in the world because they can't find satisfaction in either one hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you were looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.